Hello and welcome to Makers Out Dev episode number 47. Chris, happy Halloween and also happy one year anniversary of Makers Dev. That's right. Yeah. Happy Halloween to you as well. Um, and yeah, we were, I got the domain uh, renew notification, so I knew it was coming up, but uh, you looked it up and it was like two days ago or something. So yeah. that's great. October 29th, 2020. And I think we're like a week, a week buffer in publishing this. So whoever's listening to this will be listening in a week after our one year anniversary, but I'm very proud of us. We are, this is episode 47. There are 52 weeks in a year by my last count. So that's pretty close to an episode a week. Uh, it's only a couple times, I think, when one or both of us had scheduling things that we weren't able to do it. I am very proud. This is uh, something I think I've struggled with professionally is consistency. I'll find channels of ideas of, oh, if I was just putting in the reps and doing this consistently, I'd be able to do this thing. And then as soon as I figure out the game, I completely lose interest and move on to something else. But doing this podcast for me has been consistently... Uh, thing that i've felt engaged in that's felt worthwhile that i uh am very thankful for uh you also wanting to do it with me this uh has improved my life yeah yeah i think the reason we've been able to be consistent is for both of us like we get something out of it we get to talk about what's happening we have to think more about our lives right and then also so it it's technically work i guess right we have to get on at a certain time and we have to do some work to publish it but it's more um yeah it's easy to be consistent when it's it's like we talked about last week, both of us, when we get to the point where we see the end goal in mind, we sort of lose interest. And this podcast is like an ever evolving thing. And so, because it's always, the topics we talk about are always different. Um, so yeah, I am thankful and happy as well. It's always a fun new challenge of, it's, it's, it's as dynamic as we are in that we get to talk about whatever we were working on the last week right so whatever the thing is we're currently interested in uh that's the thing we can talk about i remember having a few moments on this podcast where uh i was talking to you before we hit record like uh do i want to talk about this 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 isn't quite related to making stuff what's what's the theme of makers out there what are we doing and i think your response was along the lines of well if it's interesting to you then that's what goes on the podcast so it's i've, I've had a few moments of thinking like oh do i really want to do the podcast today i i wasn't really working on anything last week well what was i doing last week oh i was doing this other thing oh i'd, I'd actually like to talk about that and get chris's take on it so yeah cool i'm I'm glad this is working uh neat what have you gotten up to in this last week what are the things that you'd like to talk about that you're excited about on, on this yeah thing? uh so i could always talk about some more master stuff uh including <laughs> i had a a big problem where I was supposed to use one value of n for running our our code, and uh, I posted something on a forums like, "Oh yeah, for the ten thousand case," and someone said, "Oh, you mean the hundred thousand case?" And I said, "Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> I know <laughs> I had done a complete part of the analysis wrong, um, so I got to redo that. That was a joy. Um, sometimes that just happens, right? Uh, more interesting though, I think, is uh, this last week I got a list of all the .com domain names currently registered. I'm uh, sorry, all of them. Yeah, there, there's 160, 160 million of them. <laughs> Why? Why did you do that? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, so, yeah, so the the whole thing was I was trying to find a new domain name for something, and I went to my normal like. So you got all of them? <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me just generate a database of all of the potential ones I could get. That is well, yeah. So I didn't have to generate it. <laughs> I uh, I was looking for you can buy them, and they're like ten grand. Uh, or it seems like, oh, like something that should exist for free. And it turns out you can. So you can register for ICANN's, um, I can't remember the name of it now. I'll post it in the show notes. But 
you can register for it. You have to give them your name and your email and your address and a phone number. Okay. And then three weeks later, you will get access to uh, a download. And it's four, <laughs> yeah, it's four gigabytes zipped. It's 23 gigabytes unzipped. Okay. Um, 300 something million rows because it includes all the name server entries but yeah. that represents about 160 million unique.com addresses wow all right <laughs> <laughs> this actually this makes sense to me that this exists because there there are sites that i've been on that are unusually good at generating new domain names there's a site i think called uh oh it completely escaped me it's like rapid name generator something where so you, i you use... type in a dictionary word and it's able to to come up with a list of like a thousand domain names that are available so that that would be really hard to do if they had to look up each one individually but if you already have a database and you have some way of coming up with combinations of names based on a noun uh that would make sense that you'd be able to do that quickly yeah, so I, it's probably lean domain search. That's yes, the, that's it. Yes, that's the one. Yes, yes, yes. So you. that's one. That's one of the most common ones I use to to get like names. It's really great at getting like two word combo domains. But I was finding uh, I was hitting the edges of that. It's, it hasn't been updated for a long time, so there's not like new features. And so I was like, I really want to be able to query all the existing domains in this way to see if they exist. Uh, so yeah, I just downloaded all of them. <laughs> Amazing. Is this going to spin up into a, a SAS project? <laughs> going to be leanerdomains.com. Uh, it may well. Uh, we'll see. Um, yeah, I wanted to. I was using some of the AI stuff that I have, you know, access to now to generate interesting names, and I wanted to be able to check, you know, thousands of those at a time, basically, which mm-hmm. you can't do with any of the APIs that any of the free APIs, right? So, um, yeah. So now I can check thousands of domains to see if they're active in uh, in a you know a second or something. Yeah. Amazing. That's so cool. <laughs> And I guess for that, you don't need any of the data on the name server. So I imagine for that 23 gigabytes, you could cut that, I don't know, in half. Uh, I, yep, I did. It's it's okay. much less than half. It's like two and a half gigs once you get it great. down to just unique domain names. Oh, wonderful. You could store that in RAM. That's great. Yeah, I put I put it in Redis. Yeah, so. Perfect. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. And then I guess within Redis, you can... Oh, you know, I just found out in Redis that you can... There's a scripting language where you can run code in the database... So I imagine for the query of you trying to figure out, given this list of strings, do any of them exist in this set? That that, that could be a very efficient uh, operation happening mostly in the database, and then it just returns to you the minimum amount of information that you need. Yeah, that's neat. I was actually going to look up something like that up because I was just doing it one at a time, key value lookups. And so you incur yeah. some cost just hitting the database that many times. Um, so yeah, if I can just pass a whole list or a whole sequence or something. Um, there's a way to do that that I saw on Twitter. I'm not familiar with it, but yeah, cool. there's, it, it's possible to just say, here's my list of a thousand things I'm considering. Return back the ones that are not in this database, and it, it would happen really fast. Cool. Yeah, so the the goal, the personal goal, is to uh, have a script which I can sort of describe what the website is, and it will come up with a whole bunch of... It will use AI to generate a whole bunch of domain names, which may you know be interesting and are available. So. Yeah. <laughs> What a what a perfect example of like how you and I approach this type of problem because like you started I'm sure just looking for a domain name for a project or something you were gonna do and if someone like I'm I'm thinking of Jordan Gall who is just like business minded and focused on marketing and just like growing the business if he had that problem he'd just be like what name are we doing I, who cares just, just buy a domain name what do we need just just go forward keep going. But you saw this problem and you were like, ah, I just really, it would be really nice if I could look at 
every domain name that exists and pick from that with an AI algorithm to pick the, the absolute best one. But I like our method so much better because now, like, yeah, this is going to turn into a new tool probably of uh, that anyone in the future, if they have a similar problem, if they, if they just really want to tweak, just, ooh, just give me the best domain name uh, for what I need that they'll be able to use this. Yeah, what a cool idea. I love it. And totally in your wheelhouse, every part of this is it area that you have expertise in there's there's not that many people in the world that i feel like could have done something like this uh i'm i'm curious about the ai part how does ai play into this oh so i want i don't just want like thesaurus uh lookups although that's going to be part of it too but i want you know words that are so there's a few different ways that you can use ai to do this one is there's something called an embedding, which we talked about before, which you can get similar words, which are not necessarily synonyms. It's like more like the same category of word. Hmm. And it's really easy using this embeddings idea. So it's the way you get the embedding is you train an AI based on it, but I don't actually have to do that training. Someone's already done that. There's several example of, examples of these. And so then it's just like a lookup, like a nearest neighbor lookup on these this embedding space to hmm. find words that are not synonyms, but are clustered together. So like, for example, like, New York and pizza probably are clustered together in embedding space mm. in some way because there's, you know, and you know pizza and Chicago are also probably clustered together, um, as an example. So, uh, so that's one way to use it. Um, another way is to use some of the more interesting, uh, like GPT or BERT or some of the bigger transformers to just say, you know, um, what would a good domain name be? Like you can ask GPT, what would a good domain name be for a site that does this? and then have it list them. Um, I've tried doing that with GPT a little and it returns like Facebook, Twitter, you know, like it returns domains <laughs> which clearly already exist. Yeah. So there's a little work on the prompt side to get it to return like brand new things. Mm. Um, but yeah, and then there's a few other ways you can use AI to do it, but it's more like just more powerful tools where you previously may have just used a thesaurus or something like that. I did not know that the thing you just described is called an embedding, that something that would link together New York and pizza. I've chewed on that idea for a while I, I can't remember a product i wanted to use it for but how cool is that that it feels like you can just reach into the neurons of this machine and say okay what's the link between these two concepts and, and these two words um i love that that's a that's a very cool idea too in the concept of in the, in the context of domain names i uh i'm reminded of when uh my sister was looking for a domain name for her tutoring business and called up my dad on the phone and had all of us sitting around a table and just brainstorming available domain names for a tutoring service and it felt like what you're describing it it was the thing that i was conscious of that i was doing was like okay you know we're talking about premiertutoring.com what does that make me think of well premiere is like luxury what that's easy though cuz those are synonyms but we, we were trying to think in that nearest neighbor space of you know cadillac tutoring or something uh where you couldn't get cadillac from luxury unless i thought up until about 30 seconds ago you needed a human brain for it, but apparently that's a solved problem <laughs> now uh cool oh that's so interesting is that how how do i get an embedding map is that uh what does that look like i've read the tensorflow js book do i need to use that or is it just like a giant json object of every word and links and weights to other words uh, no, so yeah, you can do it with TensorFlow.js if you want. Uh, what you do is you use a language model. And embedding is not like a link to other words. What it is is a set number of numbers. So it's, it's an array of a certain size. Usually it's like 512 or, or 1024. You can make them, or you can make them a lot smaller, like 30 or whatever. 
And that essentially represents, what it really represents is a point in, say, 512 dimensional space, which is hard to think about. But imagine you have, like, so this word is in this point, and other words which are similar will be next to that that point. Okay. Um, it's a little more confusing. Like, so that that would link, you know, like New York and Chicago and, you know, like you may, American, American cities might be next to each other. Mm-hmm. To get to the New York pizza example, you can use just part of an embedding because every number in that represents something. You don't know what it represents, mm-hmm. but... Um, like one of the numbers might represent how much like a city is this and another mm. you know so zero is not a city and one is a city another one might be how much do you find this in you know the northeast u.s yeah, and yeah. another one is like how much do you find this whatever you have no idea what those numbers mean but they mean something and so you can there's tools that you can like sort of back out you know which of the dimensions you should look at in order to find mm-hmm. similarities or differences in certain areas that's so cool okay so it's, it's not links to different words it's it's an n-dimensional space and every word is in a position in that space so if you can figure out in which dimension you want a word that's more similar now you look only in that dimension and you see what are words in this cluster so if i was trying to figure out i have a i don't know a new york tutoring business but new york tutoring is already taken and i'm trying to find available domain names i might i might start by telling your program New York tutoring is the thing that I want. And then you might suggest, oh, how about Chicago tutoring? And then I would say, no, 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 not in that dimension. That's that's not that's not what I mean by similar to this domain name. And then you might say, uh, I don't know, <laughs> Ninja Turtles tutoring. <laughs> right. And I would say, no, 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 this, no, not quite that either. And then you might say pizza tutoring. And I would say, oh, yes, yes, because pizza is similar to New York in the way that I'm defining similar. Okay, how interesting. Yeah. The other way you can use it, which is super interesting, is you can actually do math on these dimensions. So, for example, if you had the word man and king and you wanted to get queen from the word woman, then you could say you could take the difference between. Yeah, you could take the difference between man and king and then take the (sighs) embedding for women and subtract that difference and get to queen. That's amazing. Yeah. That's the that's the old uh, SAT question of that man is to king as woman is to blank. How interesting. (laughs) That's so cool. Oh man, what, how delightful! I just found out a, a new thing exists. I don't know what I'm going to use this for, but it's, I think domain names are a great application for it. It's a really good idea. Um, you you brought up uh, using GPT three also, and that it was giving you examples like Facebook.com. Can you give GPT three GPT three negative examples? Can you say don't that this is an example of something not to return back? So, so sort of, yeah. If you craft your prompt in a really specific way then okay. you could say not like this but like this right so yeah you can do that you could probably if you fine-tune your own model you could probably also uh fine-tune it in a way that it'll try to give you novel words like um novel combinations of words i don't know as much about that but yeah that's something you could probably do not with gpt3 but if you use one of the open source ones and fine-tuned okay. it uh, but yeah just in prompt cr- creation you can do it um i was able to when I got a little more specific and changed my prompt a little, I was able to lessen the, you know, Facebooks and Twitters and stuff. Um, another way is you can just say, you can just look for words that are like whatever instead of domain names. Because when it sees domain names, it's going to return domain names that exist a lot more often. But if you just say like words that remind you of a New York tutoring business, mm-hmm. then you might get an example, you know, a list of words that you can um, use. Okay. Cool. Man, how fun. Uh I made a note in one of the very first things you said. You were talking about how you were off by your N. You, you were doing 10,000. You had to do yeah. 100,000. 
uh, I'm reminded of the old joke in programming that there are only two hard problems in computer science, naming things, cache invalidation, and off by one errors. And uh, that was, that's it. That was, that's my joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's kind of what happened. So uh, the ends you were supposed to use were the size of the, tr- the number of trees that were in the thing. And there mm-hmm. were 100,000 trees. I printed that number and my brain read 10,000. And so mm. I just used 10,000 everywhere, never checking really that it, yeah. uh, if it was valid, valid or not. Um, and I got results that looked to me pretty good. I just never checked that I was actually doing the right thing. Mm. Uh, yeah. So I had to redo a whole chunk of analysis, but maybe if Twitter had showed you my thread on the scale of numbers and how to visualize them, you wouldn't have come to that problem. Come on, Twitter. That's right. Give me a... <laughs> you know, what, Twi- I... go ahead. I was going to say, you know what Twitter did show me, though? Your Halloween costume, which was awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to bring up. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I was very proud of it. And also, like, that got so many engagements. <laughs> it's just a Halloween costume I took a picture of and posted on Twitter. And, like, I put so much more work into the, the thread that still still has no likes. If you're listening to this and you go and dig up that thread, if Twitter hasn't just completely buried it and give it a like, I would be so happy. <laughs> that would that would make my day. Uh yeah, I uh, I was Steve Jobs, and my girlfriend Sarah was uh, Elizabeth Holmes, and they wear exactly the same thing, which was the joke of the couple's costume, the, the black turtleneck and the jeans. Uh, yeah, it was, it was really good. I, I actually got custom prescription lenses of the Steve Jobs glasses. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm wearing right now. <laughs> and I, I kind of like them. Uh, so uh, we're going to continue this for a little bit and see what happens. Uh, cool. What other stuff did you get up to this last week? Uh, you mentioned Acorn Chat. Did, yep. did stuff get pushed forward on that? Um, I did do a little bit of that. Something that actually happened was, so I've been looking sort of for machine learning jobs uh, or, you know, contracts, like small, yeah. smaller contracts. I got near to the end of closing one, and we decided to do a, a test project basically for a machine learning engineer position, which is different mm-hmm. than machine learning researcher or anything like that. And I got into it, and I just realized that that is not the type of work. It's more like infrastructure work, or it's kind of like DevOps, but for machine learning, right? And it's not the kind of work that I really want to do. Um, so, like, we were in a phase where we were like, you know, maybe we figure out if this is right. And I'm like, this is probably not exactly right. Um, but it made me think about, like, exactly what kind of work I do I want to be doing. And it's just more of the stuff that we talk about, right? So, like, why in, in my brain, I know I'm going after these machine learning positions because I need experience in that if I want to do that in the future. But I could also just like, if I made a domain name service that used AI, then that would be, I think, just as valuable as any contract that I would get. And I enjoy that work way more. So um, yeah, it made me want to do just more of what we've been talking about. Acorn Chat is one of those things. Um, I was planning on doing it last week, but I had to spend a bunch of time redoing a whole bunch of work on my lab. So that didn't happen. Um, next uh, next semester, so I had to register for classes next semester and I just registered for one instead of two because I've been finding that two is a little a little much if I want to do all the other stuff I want to do also. Hmm. Um, so yeah, I think I just, like if a really neat machine learning contract comes my way, maybe I'll think about picking it up, but I think I'm going to stop looking for those actively at least for a while and hmm. focus more on, on a the stuff we've been talking about that makes a lot of sense to me you you can be more exploratory not within the contract you, you can change direction much quicker and uh i'm reminded of a conversation i had with my brother last night he is a sophomore in college right now and is currently a biochem major but doesn't really know if that's what he wants to do he is kind of doing it just by default that that's uh what his sister did and he is sort of pre-med but doesn't know if he wants to be a doctor 
And he told me about this experience he had at the state fair where he went with a bunch of friends who at the end of going had a bunch of tickets left over and you can't sell your tickets back and you have to buy them in increments of 10. And so one of his friends was like, Oh, do you just want these tickets? Like I'll just give them to you. And he was like, Oh yeah, I'll go get some ice cream. And as he was walking to go get ice cream, he saw the line to buy tickets at the state fair and it was super long and it was hot. And he went to someone at the back of the line and was like, Hey, do you want to, do you want to buy these tickets for me? And they were like, Oh my gosh. Yes, of course. Thank you so much. Here's, here's the money in cash. Great. And they were able to, to uh, leave the line. So he went back to his group of friends and was like, Hey, here's $10 for your ticket. Actually, I found someone to buy them. And Hey, does anyone else have tickets that they don't want? And they were all like, yes, of course. And he ended up getting like a hundred dollars of tickets and selling them. And when he was telling me the story, he was like, man, I just felt this passion and this sense of flow that I hadn't felt in anything else I'd done in college. Um, that, the classes I'm taking are sort of academically interesting, but I'm I'm not really enjoying the process of doing the labs or studying for tests or I'm, I haven't yet found that spark and I, I don't really know what I want to do. But man, selling these tickets just felt like, felt like a rush. It felt like, yes, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And while we were talking about it, the, the place where we sort of landed was like, this is an indication that businessy things or finding yourself in this sort of situation uh, is a, a thing that really resonates with you. So pay attention the next time you notice an opportunity like that and go more in that direction, um, which looks like a very divergent process. It's like you, you got to be sensitive to new opportunities and, and new ideas and uh, be paying attention. And uh, that's that's what I'm hearing here is like, I have no idea where this idea came from, from you of uh, coming up with AI names for new domain names. and But like, that's a... That's important to pay attention to that, that that's a thing that you're excited about that you realize, oh, I have a clever way of doing this that no one's ever done before. And I can put these pieces together in, in this clever way to solve this problem for a lot of people. Like that process is really important. And that's that's something I've noticed in my own life of it's if you're not quite sure what you want to be doing and, and you just feel sort of this general vague discontentment, the answer is not necessarily that you need to push yourself harder and be more disciplined and getting more consulting projects for doing more AI infrastructure stuff. I think that a more, a more productive, but more complicated answer is like take a step back and just pay careful attention to the things that are exciting to you. That is, is work that you're really enjoying. And, uh, and it sounds like that's what you're doing. So good job. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so Paul Graham in, uh, in the, before the startup talk, uh, has a whole line about this as well, which is like, how do you find good startup ideas? And he basically says the way to find them, especially this is talking to college students at this point. He's like, find what you're interested in and explore that just like without any worry about how this is going to turn into anything interesting. Mm -hmm. Like just dive as deep as you can into whatever is super interesting to you. And you will find it, you know, if it's interesting to you. So he was, he prefaced this by basically by saying like, I think he said, if you are the type of person who has interesting ideas, but he basically meant like, if you're smart enough, like anything interesting to you, you'll, you'll be able to figure out how to make it, you know, worthwhile in a worldly way later. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And this is not to say like, stay undifferentiated and be a Peter Pan who just is right. <laughs> constantly like playing around with stuff. But, uh, that's, that's not where either of us are. Like we, we are perfectly capable of being valuable to society. Like if we need to, but you know, you're in a comfortable spot, uh, you you can be more exploratory and i think the i think the more you can afford to be exploratory the higher the chances that you'll find pockets of 
incredibly valuable and especially engaging opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like with this domain name thing right now, it is purely side project. I have no intention of like turning it into a service, but I do know that if I find a particular angle on it, then it is the type of thing that could turn into a service right now. It's totally selfish though. I just want, I just want to do it because I think yeah, it yeah. sounds really, I want to be able to, you know, process 160 million entries and figure out how to use those and all the, all the stuff. Yeah. I love it. Full, full seal of approval from here. This, that sounds like a really cool project that, yeah, it, it, you mentioned lean domain names, uh, or lean, lean domains, lean domain names.com lean domain names. That's so. a service I used to love, if, uh, but I haven't used it in a while. So if you're saying it hasn't been updated, like that to me points to, okay, maybe there's a market opportunity for having something more up to date. Yeah. I think they were purchased actually by someone and then they haven't been updated oh, since then. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It and still they, works, but they were only dot coms, right? Yeah. Hmm. So yeah, I, I could do it for of, yeah, devs or apps or IOs or whatever. Yeah. I only have the .com list right now, but mm. on the same ICANN service, you can request the other ones. Um, it used to be to get all of them that you needed a contract with every single TLD. Oh. And so, yeah, <laughs> which sounds terrible. Um, but now you can, now there are restrictions for what I can do with it. And so I do need to look up what the actual restrictions are. I may mm. need to actually enter into contracts with the TLDs that, mm. that if I use them in some businessy way, yeah. um, but I do know I can do whatever research I want with it just yeah, yeah. on my own. We, we haven't been talking about this, evaluating it as a business. So I guess that would be an important conversation before uh, talking about what I'm about to talk about. But uh, I still want to talk about that, which is like having a bigger moat is better for you. Like the harder it is to get to the point, if you do need to, you know, have a call with each of the TLDs and, have a written contract and uh, schmooze them or something to be able to, to get what you want. Like the harder it is to get to that point, the more protected your business is because the, the, the regulations favor incumbents. If you're already there, you, you want it to be harder to get where you are than easier from a business context. But that, that like, <laughs> that doesn't make sense if, if it's just a free service, <laughs> like right. you're, to, to justify that you would want to be making money somehow. How did lean domains make money? referrals know? yeah go like godaddy referrals oh that when you click on it to register it it goes to godaddy oh that's very clever yep yeah and so i think clever. it's i don't remember who bought them but it was i think someone they were a, a domain service and yeah. uh yeah that seems very copyable it seems like you just follow their playbook yeah yep yeah, <laughs> yeah cool does. i like it uh neat i have a related problem i've been struggling with this last week of like i've just felt so unmotivated to work on most things so i've i've been trying to follow it, it it's sort of precipitated by uh turning off youtube and now having all this time where i'm like well i'm not gonna go on youtube i've decided that like what else am i gonna do um in a way youtube like fed into this machine that still got me doing things in a predictable way that oh i feel i feel this familiar itch and so i'll, I'll scratch it really quick on youtube and then i'll go right back to what i was doing uh even if sometimes that tangent was you know an hour long i was still i was still at my desk sitting in my chair doing something on the computer so it was it was easy to switch back to the thing i was doing um but i've, I've decided like that's not a thing i want to do if if i look back on my life and i'm like oh man i've spent thousands of hours on youtube that isn't something I want to be looking back on. So I've been filling that time with things like 
going on walks and listening to sci-fi novels. Blind Sight, so good. I'll link it in the show notes. Oh, it's so good. Just rattled my brain. Um, but I've I've been struggling now with more of these existential questions of like, why am I doing the things that I'm doing, and what's what's the work that I want to be ultimately working towards? And uh, I'm I'm coming back around with that now. Um, it, and getting to a more stable place, doing more journaling things of like, well, how in each area of my life, how would I like them to be different? And uh, let me let me focus on a smaller problem of what what can I done get done in just the day to to be excited about stuff um so from that i am becoming increasingly curious in solidity programming this way of making decentralized apps that run on the blockchain uh on the ethereum network and on other side chains and things built off of ethereum if you don't want to spend so much money um so i have a couple of ideas that i want to just throw at you <laughs> that to, to to preface this, I think it's going to be valuable just to do them for the sake of doing them, just to get the reps in of practicing, okay, this is how you make a, a decentralized app. Uh, so none of these need to be good ideas or like ways to solve money. I think I'm, I think I'm looking more for like that they seem interesting. Uh, and also if you have any ideas for what a decentralized app could look like, I'm, I'm very curious about that. Are you ready for some decentralized terrible <laughs> app ideas uh sure uh, i was gonna say first it's interesting that you think deleting youtube was sort of a catalyst for some of this um it's an interesting thing how you know everything you do can have side effects that you don't quite expect um i yeah. think so that's interesting i didn't expect solidity programming to be the outcome of uh deleting youtube yeah um, same yeah. yeah uh so that's interesting uh also though before i i know what solidity is i know what the blockchain is generally can you uh, maybe describe what a Solidity app actually can do? Uh, like, oh, yeah. Yes, of course. Uh, I'll, I'll preface this with saying, like, I don't, I don't feel like I fully understand it, but here's here's my current understanding. Um, the way Bitcoin is mined is by basically just doing arbitrarily hard work. You can think of it sort of like you're taking a whole bunch of dice and you're rearranging pegs in a pegboard and then you drop all the dice in the top and the pegboard and the dice are designed in such a way that like with a given arrangement of pegs the dice will always land on the on the correct uh in the in the same uh dice roll and you so you rearrange the pegs you put the dice in the top and then you get a bunch of dice and the first person who's able to rearrange their pegs in a way that a hundred dice come up with the number one on them they have mined a block so the work of doing that is like you take a bunch of dice and you rearrange the pegs randomly and you put the dice on top and it goes to the bottom. That is functional and it's been criticized because you're sort of just wasting computing power and the Bitcoin blockchain is now using as much power as countries. So Ethereum's take on the blockchain is like, wouldn't it be great if instead of doing this arbitrarily difficult work of your rearranging pegs and rolling dice, and that's not really benefiting anyone, what if you were actually doing computational work? What if someone could say, like, I, I would like this program to run. Uh, I, I would like to have this contract that exists out in the ether. And now when uh, some, some transaction is made or some thing is uh, triggered, instead of rolling a bunch of dice, you run this program that was designed to uh, actually do some real work. And that real work can be anything 
that is self-contained on the blockchain. So the the uh, popular application of this right now is NFTs, non-fungible tokens. This idea that you can have a uh, a, 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 a piece of metadata that someone can own and right now that's being used to uh store bad art uh just like a link to a to a jpeg uh which didn't make sense to me until i realized oh the art is just the first thing that we're doing with this uh but so the the to to wrap that up stuff that you can make on the blockchain is applications that need to run in a decentralized way where uh, I want to do something like uh, buy something from someone and have absolute certainty guarantee that I'm going to be the only person in the world who owns this metadata. Um, And you can set up some automated things and and clever things of like, uh, it's all, it's all wallets with Ethereum in them that you can interact with. Uh, So I could, I could do something like set up, Kickstarter and have a decentralized Kickstarter where uh, I make a new contract that says I'm trying to raise 10 Ethereum. Uh, if people deposit to this address and before this date, it has at least 10 Ethereum, then I get all the money. If not, all the money goes back to the people who sent it. Uh, that's that's a pretty trivial example of a Ethereum contract. Another thing you could do is like make your own cryptocurrency uh, and have whatever arbitrary rules you want in the cryptocurrency of like, uh, if you have a prime number of coins then the network rewards you with another bonus coin uh or things like smart wills and and then you start getting into the territory of legal stuff and stuff that lawyers do if you wanted to set up a trust it's a little complicated in that it can only really interact with things that are already on the blockchain so uh it'd be hard to set up a will like you know if timmy finishes college before 2018 then he gets the money in this thing because whether or not to me graduated college would depend on there being a smart contract that you could depend on that like that that would have to be able to be validated by the blockchain so in a future where more things live on the blockchain that's totally possible but uh, yeah, right maybe here, yeah maybe in the future maybe in the future yeah colleges yeah, uh, yeah. D- put your diploma on the blockchain yeah 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 uh also things like titles for cars and uh deeds for houses um that's when things are going to start getting fun so yeah, that. Thank you for asking for an explanation, and I appreciate you tolerating my uh, more rambling explanation. I think it'll be much better the next time I explain it. Uh, how was that? And do you have any questions on what Solidity and Ethereum are? Uh, no, I think that makes sense. Yeah, so you can trigger on uh, transactions, and then you can make transactions, and those transactions can have metadata like URLs to bad art. Um, yes. Okay. Yep. I think sounds good. Uh, what are your ideas? So the first one is a, a recreation of the terrible games that you hear about where it's like a mind puzzle of an auction where the second highest bidder pays. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I could just go through, I'm sure there's some sort of a, a repository of like, here's an example of why you should never play these games because... It only ends in, you know, uh, once you're in, you're, you're in, and it's it continues being in your best interest to, to continue bidding. Um, and so a, a, an advantage of putting stuff on the blockchain is that you can do financial things easily that you don't 
you you can sort of it's it's the wild west so you can you can kind of do anything you like you could set up a ponzi scheme and like right it, there's a way to publish contracts that's in a totally anonymous way that you wouldn't get in trouble with the law and then if you wanted to make money from it you could have that just going to a ethereum backdoor and i don't think i want to be messing with that but i i use that as an example to say I could be a little cheeky with the sort of things that I'm doing that involve money, where it would be really difficult to do this with Stripe because as soon as someone realized, oh man, if I'm the second highest bidder and I still have to pay for this thing, but I don't actually get the money, this sucks. <laughs> like I want a refund. <laughs> uh, I I don't like this. There's if it's If it was done in Stripe, they could contact Stripe or they could contact their credit card and be like, I'd like a refund. And you can't do that on Ethereum. It's it's just like it's a contract and it's been done and everything is is irrevocable. Uh, so that's my first idea: <laughs> a, a auction where you're you're bidding for the the total amount of money that people have put in. Well, I'm not even sure how that would work. Actually, I I haven't really thought this one through. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have I have ideas. Go ahead. Okay, what, what do you got? Um, so first of all. Uh, seems neat uh except so you talked about you know skirting the the law a little bit it sounds a lot like gambling um yeah. so i'm sure there's laws about that or or weird auctions like those auctions where every bid costs like a penny and then it drives up the price like yeah. whatever like uh those i guess are legal but it really feels like gambling and whatever but then the thing the place where i went is assuming you're okay with uh it being like gambling and you skirting the laws and maybe you know it's illegal or not um it seems like every prisoner's dilemma problem it could be implemented on the blockchain then. So prisoner's yeah. dilemma problems are like, yeah, it's like the, you know, if all of, you know, if all of you say that you're going to, I don't even, I don't, I don't even know. It's, it's like, if you agree with everyone, then you get some reward. But if one person disagrees, then they get the whole reward and everyone else gets screwed over, you yeah, know, yeah. like those kind of things. Um, so that that's kind of interesting uh, the other is if you actually do something like this and you're okay with it being maybe illegal or not uh, i would lean as far into squid game as you can so like uh, <laughs> like you know oh, yeah. yeah so like it, just make a make a squid game on the blockchain where you know you like if you play a game wrong then you die which is you lose like your all your money and then the yeah. person at the end gets the whole the whole pot something like that um yeah that's what i would do but i think I it's love that I think it's probably illegal, but if you get around that, <laughs> then yeah, that's. I don't. I don't quite know how to frame this because, like, that's kind of the advantage of the state that the technology is in right now. Like, I could, I could build something like Squid Game, and <laughs> there, there's evidence now of me talking about it on a podcast. So, <laughs> but like, conceivably, I could, I could build something pseudo anonymously, and make an anonymous twitter account or something announcing it and uh like it, it th this can be a thing disconnected from my identity uh and gambling sites like there's there's no there's no ethereum police that are saying you can't do a smart contract like if you have built a, a valid contract okay it exists now uh i kind of love the idea of a squid game <laughs> like it's and and maybe the way through is i i had also written down as a one of my ideas, like a, a game theory game, some some prisoners dilemma. Maybe that's the the core thing that they're uh, that they're doing. But yeah, like a squid game where I don't know, maybe it's an hour long, and you start with however many people you start off with, and the the pool of people just keeps getting cut in half. And the game that they're playing is: do I do I defect or do I uh, uh, not defect? What's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> give me give me a nearest neighbor. <laughs> the defect. opposite defect. 
yeah, they're, uh, they're, uh, state, comply or oh yeah sure yeah you're you're like helping do you do you uh do you squeal on the person or do you uh oh yeah uh, not c- c- collaborate i don't know collaborate yeah thank you <laughs> where are my words today <laughs> uh so that's maybe maybe you take your pool of people they all put some amount of money in and then they're all competing for the main prize minus a small fee that i take as developer of, of squid game uh and then based on n number of rounds maybe so so like they're pairing off against each other and they're playing some sort of game and then only one of them goes forward and then you keep going forward until there's one player left at the end who wins and then they get all the money uh yeah that's a really good idea okay cool <laughs> i guess um, how would that work with if it's a prisoner's dilemma hmm maybe it maybe it's a prisoner's dilemma it, but you 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 get rid of all the people who got the least amount of money so like you're you're trying to work with the person but you're also in the grand scheme like trying to get more money than the other person is so, so the my prisoner's dilemma and squid game ideas were slightly different like prisoner's dilemma like you could do it all that way the squid game idea was more like you have people pay tic-tac-toe and the people who lose the most games die okay um that kind of thing yeah that makes sense Hmm. Um, the the other thing I thought of is this: you you talked about like running it for an hour or something. I I might think about running it more like a, like a fantasy football league or something. So like, oh, yeah, it happens yeah. over like weeks or months, and people can join like or like buy back in, for example, like that yeah, kind of yeah. thing. Um, then it's a little more like poker. You can also, if you're actually look, worried about laws, you can worry. About, you can think about how if you make it a game of skill, like you could say tic tac toe is a game of skill, then it's not gambling <laughs> because that's how people can bet on poker. Um, yeah. So, so there actually are laws that allow you to do things like that. I, yeah. So, yeah. Cool. I like it. I'm Something actually really surprised. I'm, I'm actually really surprised no one's done a squid game on Ethereum yet. Uh, now that I'm talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> I could be the guy. I could, I could right. do this. I'm also not uh, super plugged into it. So I, they, they might, it's still very fringe. It's still very like, yeah, not a, not a lot of people are talking about it, but within the communities, it's just people are going nuts, especially about NFTs. Um, interesting. Um, what else? Uh, here, here's the next one. You could do a secret Santa, but for NFTs or money. So everyone deposits their NFT of their bad digital art into this big collective pool. And then on Christmas, it shuffles them around and you get a different one back than you put in. Uh, what, what, what's your hot take on that? Yeah, so I like that. Um, are you thinking about the people actually making the art? Um, or like if I were if I were gonna do it, I would say you do it just like a normal Secret Santa. You have a cap, you know, like 0.1 Ethereum or something. Yeah. You say what your interests are and then it's the person's job to find a NFT under that cap that matches like what they like. Um, and then you get that NFT. Um, uh, under the condition that you buy someone else an NFT, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I so when you're signing up for it, you say, "I want to spend 0.1 Ethereum on an NFT," and then someone else is going out and shopping for an NFT for me. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's interesting. I thought that's what you were talking about, but I guess not. <laughs> I was thinking more. I'm I'm trying to think of ways to have it completely decentralized, and I think the way to do that would be that you come to the table already with an nft i I think that's something that could happen entirely on the blockchain of like to to enter into the secret santa you deposit an nft with this contract address 
uh and then on christmas gmt at midnight or something um the contract is set up to trigger okay let me redistribute all the nfts that have been dropped in there's i think it uh, that's good you have to like frame it to in order to get people to you want people to contribute like high value nfts so i'm trying to think of ways to incentivize that like a lot so maybe make it like a power law so like if you if you drop in the highest value nft on christmas so you buy it at a certain date in the past Mm. if the value on christmas however you figure that out is something is the highest one then you get like half of the nfts or something i maybe that's too that that's maybe it goes against the spirit of christmas maybe everyone should just get the you know the closest value nft that's not yours maybe something like that um calculating the value is kind of hard because that's that's not necessarily information that lives in the blockchain and there's also oh, i see there's ways of forging that like you can just pass the nft back and forward with yourself people have done that on uh open they and they make it look like oh this is sold for ten thousand ethereum and then Two days later, it's sold for twenty thousand Ethereum, and now it can sense. be yours for only five thousand Ethereum. Uh, and then you buy it and realize no one actually wants this. There's there's no market for it. Um, it's really interesting because a lot of the a lot of the early market manipulation strategies work right now in the crypto yeah. space. There's a like arbitrage was a thing for a while in crypto, and then people figured that out and. Uh, quantitative analysis apparently worked for a little while in crypto and uh, I'm, I'm not sure if that's still effective but the yeah it's it's interesting to see those uh, market manipulations um, here's another one that I'm thinking of a, a dead man switch uh, and I don't yet know the capacity of the network but like the functionality that I would want to have is uh, I I keep putting just the bare minimum amount of Ethereum into this thing that's just that's saying hello I'm here I'm still alive and if I stop doing that something happens and I would love for that thing to be like an encrypted note that I wrote gets unencrypted and and published for the internet. Um, what's your hot take on that? Yeah, I mean stuff like that kind of exists um, in certain like you're talking about wills a little bit so this is kind of a idea of that. I'm I'm seeing like a like a that was easy button on my fridge and I hit it every morning and if I don't hit it then something happens uh, you know something like yeah. that um, I think that's probably possible I mean you can just you can encrypt something with a private key yeah so you're right about the blockchain because if you want it fully decentralized then that private key has to be on the blockchain already right like it can't be secret. I think so this I I need to look into this I also don't know that this makes sense to have on the blockchain because like to be able to have a button on your fridge that you hit. That's going to make so much more sense just as a database update. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> and, and storing the keys and all that. Uh, it's kind of difficult for me to wrap my head around the types of things that make sense with this because every transaction is so much more expensive. Like writing to the database costs actual money that's measured mm-hmm. in like cents for every single write. Um, and, for, and that's for side chains. For Ethereum, sometimes the gas fees go up to like the tens or hundreds of dollars and i've seen people post on twitter of like i'm just trying to buy this thing and it's going to cost 200 dollars just to buy it just to do the transaction that doesn't make any sense um so i'm i'm trying to think of things in the realm of like things that would be difficult to do in traditional ways of like we're dealing with a lot of money and it needs to be people need to be able to trust each other uh and i i wouldn't want to do this with traditional technologies because it would be a much higher liability or I'd be opening myself up to 
uh, people, you know, refunding credit cards and this thing not working out. So a lot of the ideas I'm thinking of are feel very like scammy and like uh, <laughs> gambling type things. Yeah. Uh, but there's, I don't know. I, I feel like I need to think through the space to get to the interesting ideas. Uh, and I'm, I don't know that I'm quite there yet. Yeah, talking about all this, I think what I would do first is just do do several tutorials on, you know, I know you can like get a blockchain running on your own machine, right? To like test it out without actually paying money. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would do several tutorials that way. And then I think you'd, you know, much better like understand the, the space like you're talking about of what you can do. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, specifically for the question of can I have a, can I unencrypt something on the blockchain or, or is that impossible because the logic for that needs to live on the blockchain? Interesting. Interesting, interesting. Uh, I have one more idea. That's one that I've been actually chewing on for a little while. Uh, that I, I think this is the one I'm most excited about. NFTs right now don't make sense to me because art doesn't make sense to me. I, I have difficulty valuing art, especially digital art. No offense to digital artist creators, but like, it's a JPEG, dude. Like, I, <laughs> I, it took me forever to understand it until I realized, oh, what if this wasn't a JPEG. What if this was something that like I actually valued? What if this was that I was buying an XKCD comic? I think I, I may have talked about this on that on that show before. Um, so the product that I would want to build is like an embeddable JavaScript widget that I I can go to people who have popular blogs or popular web comics, and I can say, hey, include this line of JavaScript at the bottom of your page, right under the uh, wherever the comic or the blog post is displayed. And by default, it's going to have a button that says, if you would like to own this piece of content, be the, the owner of it, which doesn't mean anything other than you are the owner of it. You don't get any money from it. You just, you own it. Uh, the, the creator has decided that you are the owner. You click this button and it'll mint an NFT for you of this thing. And you can have whatever little metadata you want in that transaction of like, if you want to display your name at the bottom or a little message or something, and that might get tricky because then it, they might put spam things on there. But then after you've bought it and minted the NFT, my JavaScript widget says, oh, someone has minted and owns this and it lists the current owner with whatever metadata they said. What's your hot take on that? This, this is an idea that I think might actually have legs that might make NFTs make sense for me. Yeah, so... I think this is probably the best idea that I've heard of the, uh, of the one so far, just because I understand the technology sort of that, that's going on. Um, although I like the squid game idea, but uh, <laughs> so this one, yeah, this, this one's great because it lets people, per so people, digital artists say, or not digital artists, XKCD comics, creators, you know, that, that kind of thing have heard of NFTs and they want to make money, but they don't know how. And it takes yeah. a lot of work to figure out how, um, also it can be quite expensive, right. To mint them. Yeah. Um, so yes, if you had something, they could just drop on their site and it lets the buyer, the buyer mint it. Is that what you're saying? Like it initiates a mint, like the, see that, see that that's how it's tricky. Cause to mint something I think costs, can cost quite a bit of money. Yes. Right. Yeah. So if you let the buyer pay for the minting of it and then buy it, that seems super interesting. And if it was just a JavaScript widget that anyone could drop on, that seems like a whole other way that creators could, you know, profit without needing to understand this whole blockchain thing. That was my way around minting costing money. Yeah, because minting... And I don't yet know enough about this to know if this is technically possible. Uh, I, I see no reason why it shouldn't be. But then it's zero risk to the, to the blog owner. It's like, okay, you know, put this on your site and if no one buys it, it's not going to cost you any money. Yep. And then if no one buys anything, 
take it off and you're done yep. uh i guess the worst case might be you know one person buys one thing and then you feel like you're sort of under obligation to list it but maybe like the, the nft is going to continue to exist no matter what you do it's already been minted so um i think my service would just be uh, 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 the javascript widget and then simplifying that flow of you don't need to understand anything about nfts you just need to set up a wallet tell me where to send you money set up some basic rules of like you want to receive x percent of every transaction in the future um and then i i handle all the rest of it for you um i i would like your opinion on something which is like how what what method of me making money would make the most sense to you uh because i could set up something where i as the service get a cut of every single time that nft changes hands but i don't mm. think i like that because now i i don't i don't know that i'm providing continual value but i kind of am because i'm listing on their site so i could charge like like a regular SaaS, I could just say to use this JavaScript widget on your site, you pay me this much money, or maybe I make money when it's minted. Uh, what are your thoughts on monetization? Yeah, I feel like I don't quite understand all the different ways yet. Uh, um, so I would, I would explore that more. Like if I was creating things, it would make sense for me to pay a service like once when it was minted, um, you know, some percentage of the, of the price. Yeah. I mean, that would make sense ongoing payments would be would be tricky but it's enforced by the blockchain then so like if you get people to you know if you get people to do it ongoing then i mean that's great for you but mm. maybe you get pushed back maybe you don't i don't know you know uh, i guess i'll play with that maybe the answer is yeah. just like charge whatever i can get away with if yeah if i don't know I like can... if it <clears throat> maybe, maybe so i think it's up to the creator too whether they get uh like percentage on subsequent things so maybe it's you you charge for the minting right so, or some percentage of the cost for the initial sale and then you say you know if you want to get four percent kickback then i also get one percent uh but if you don't then i get none yeah, yeah. Um, that seems reasonable that does seem reasonable yeah what if i just make a tenth of whatever the artist is making so the artist makes money on the initial sale the initial minting and i take 10 percent of whatever they did and I could, I could do less than that. I could do like 5%. That feels reasonable because like, you know, a, a payment processor charges that amount and I'm handling a lot of complexity for them. Yeah. Okay. I like that. I think anytime, anytime the owner makes money, I want, I want a cut of the owner making money. So if they want to set up a contract where they're making money on every single time it changes hands, I also want a cut of that. Yeah. Okay. That feels good. Cool. This feels very interesting to me too, because this, this feels like a really good intersection of things. There's a lot of people getting into NFTs and there's a lot of web developers. Um, and I feel like if I, if I can master this NFT space, I have a unique advantage in like, I know exactly what would need to happen to have this JavaScript widget. And I know exactly what would need to happen of like what the flow from the user's perspective should look like of being able to mint it. Um, cool. Okay. Neat. I'm kind of excited about this. I'm, I'm feeling that. <laughs> renewed uh excitement for ideas thank you for your hot takes cool yeah i'm just interested to see what you come up with uh and yeah more updates about the blockchain stuff it's something i have not looked into because i'm doing a lot of the ai ml stuff um, people have suggested that i should look into it and i kind of haven't um i don't know maybe i will at some point but yeah right now i'm kind of playful ai i think also is yeah that's i i sort of cluster those two things together as emerging technologies that you get a disproportionate reward from uh i, I might see ai is a little more developed that like you can't get a master's degree in blockchain stuff yet um but yeah these are these are both 
cutting edge stuff. So maybe part of this is like uh, I want to I want a cool cutting edge tech thing that I, <laughs> that I can bring to the table when, in my conversations with Chris. Uh, cool. I have one other thing I wanted to just mention. I had talked uh, a couple episodes ago about renting out my car and having that as sort of a justification for buying a Tesla because it like yes I have this car but and it was more expensive than all of the things I've ever bought in my entire life combined. But it's making me money. It's an asset. I'm trying to solve this problem of how do I turn money into more money. And when I got the Tesla, I realized, oh no, I cannot let anyone else touch this car. I love it too much. <laughs> this is, I would just be heartbroken. Uh, but I did find a site that would let me rent out my old 2010 Honda Insight that mm. has a lot of body damage on it, and uh, but still gets very good gas mileage. And my car is rented out now. It's been rented out for the last two days. I think it's going to get extended for another two days. It's making me something like $35 a day for one car that's currently worth, I think, like $3,000. And oh, wow. just needed a little bit of work for me to message back and forth of when the pickup was and taking pictures of the car from all sides. And that had me thinking a little bit more about how I feel like I still haven't solved the problem of how to spend money in SaaS to be making more money. Uh, I, I think the next experiment with that is actually pulling the trigger on this uh, virtual assistant. But I, I yeah, I, I I was reminded of that it feels much more complicated to turn money into more money in SaaS than it does with these things. Because with this, like, okay, I could immediately take the money that I make from this and buy another $3,000 car. And the, the complexity scales up linearly. It's It's very straightforward of just... I make more money the more cars I have and the more rentals I have. Uh, and yeah, that's, it's not a game I figured out in SAS yet. Yeah. That's a nice update. Um, that's a pretty good return, right? 35 yeah. a day for $3,000 car, but you have yeah. to, you're involved in every transaction, right? You have to like hand them the keys or how does that work? I, I have to hand them the keys. Yeah. Yeah. So that seems like it might be tricky. Like if you go on vacation or whatever too. Yeah. Um, but cool. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, interesting experience. It's not an ideal business. Like SaaS is much nicer in yeah. that it's just servers and it just sort of happens automatically. Uh, but I think it's refreshing for me to just think about business generally from different sides. That that for a long time, business to me was software as a service, and there was no other type of business. And I've seen a lot of benefits from thinking about different ways to make money and understanding that business is a lot older than software. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, it's also like, I'm interested to hear your, your take on it once yeah, the, the first time your car comes back trashed, you know, I hope it never happens, yeah. but, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what your take on it is after that. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like a safe bet. Like in the worst case, I think I'm, I'm out a $3,000 car, uh, and, and you can probably claim insurance if it gets crashed. Like, you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. In so some ways, like yeah. if, if the car got totaled, that would actually be easier for me because now i don't even have to go through the work of selling the car and i yeah. think i would just get a check uh, it'd, be, it'd be a lot worse like if you if it comes back smelling like throw up or something yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sorry <laughs> or if it like injures someone if, uh, yeah, if the driver like yep. Yep, yep. hits a school bus and yeah and then they think i was driving the car and then i go to jail and then i can't do anything with nfts uh, but that seems very unlikely. So I make uh, makers that dev always thinking about the worst. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that's that's where my mind went. Uh, cool. All right. That's uh, that's what I got. All right. That's all I got too. Then I will see you next week. Goodbye.